0: Blog Talk Radio. Okay.
1: We do this crazy thing called The Balance every Saturday morning between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Welcome to all of our affiliate radio stations across this great land in the United States of America. America, and also thank you to Blog Talk Radio, our facilitator listening to us live on Blog Talk. Appreciate yeah Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at T-Balance on the Twitter, and on the Book of Faces We've got the fan page up there, too, uh, The Ballas. Hey, it's a good day today, right? Thanksgiving weekend coming up next weekend, I should say. But uh, this is our show before Thanksgiving. So if you want to talk about some of your Thanksgiving traditions, 917 is our digits. My name is Tom Mark Presidente. On tap today, coming up here, standing by in the – Balance Green Room is Matthew Embry, WSVT up in South Bend, going to be talking in our, and our official IndyCar contributor, going to be talking about some big uh, news, or maybe not so big, but big enough for because it's the silly season, and we're talking about it, uh, and so we'll, we'll get into that. Some news that are breaking in with the IndyCar, also college football, lots to talk about. Notre Dame football, big games on the docket. Uh, probably one of the biggest one is Ohio State and Penn State. We're going to be talking about all of that with Rick Regan, our official college football contributor, also Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Go to join us. We're going to be talking NFL and college football, and at the bottom in the last segment, if you will, we always say the best for last. Mo from the BS Sports Show,
2: perhaps
1: Ed Kratz. Uh, beat Rider for the Philadelphia Eagles. He does have some family obligations. Yeah, hey, it's Thanksgiving week. So uh we'll see. We'll see what's going on with uh that if we can get him on board or not. Not totally sure about that, but Mo from the BS Sports Show uh will definitely be joining us. So nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six is our digit. Stick around. It is about to get good.
0: Phase. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Good morning,
3: Good morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is oh, that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run. No, it's me, Linda, from
0: HR. It looks hungry. Save
3: the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got maze. Oh, That what in my eyes. We're moving.
0: It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20%
4: off Ikea Sultan mattresses. Ikea, love your home. I, got, I, got, I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet.
3: Pass the, bar, the, bar, the, the We're open, <speaking noise> just the
1: Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico.
3: Yeah. I could save you 15% or more on car
0: insurance.
3: Here's to the straggly ones. The first ones. Hey, I look good with this ones. The black, brown, red, and gray ones. The itchy ones. The ones grown by dad. The ones grown for dad. The I nearly didn't do it this year ones, and the absolutely filthy ones, they all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com. (laughs) Movember.com.
1: All right, welcome back to the balance nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six is our digit. It's time to kick things off this week. Let's get into the IndyCar funny season talk, if you will. Of course, IndyCar's is in its off season. We got to say uh, NASCAR champion last week. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Uh, so we are in the official off season for both NASCAR and IndyCar, but we'll keep you up to date of everything. Joining this now as Matthew Embry, WSVT, up at South Bend, our official.
2: IndyCar contributor Matthew we got some news happening in the funny season this week or do we ever
4: I tell you it's isn't it funny how this thing happens right now and uh I gotta say uh, there's obviously a few things as to what's happened with four day and why they have parted ways with coin but uh, I think there's a couple things are out there but I think there is another thing out there that I think is really forcing this and uh I think you will find uh, very interesting as to what's going on at this point uh, as far as uh, why some of these moves are happening all of a sudden at the last minute.
2: Well, you know,
1: and we'll sort we'll of dive into that, but certainly one of the biggest news, uh, Sebastian Bourdais goes to IMSA full-time, leaving IndyCar and Dale Coyne. Let's talk a little bit about
2: what kind of uh, uh, Rubik's Cube moves that creates.
4: Well, obviously, this is unexpected because, as I mentioned, I thought for sure he had been confirmed and all but confirmed. But within the last three weeks, we have heard a major sponsorship deal involving Bourdais fell through. Uh, We've also heard uh, rumors from Jenna Fryer of the AP that Honda is not giving the seal of approval for Bourdais based on recent performance over the past couple seasons. Uh, obviously, the accident he had with Graham Rahal at the Indy 500, uh, taking out a couple of Honda cars and the other Honda cars in the process, obviously did not sit well with the manufacturer. But I think the big thing is uh, Michael Andretti uh, spouting off to Racer magazine about his desire to have a charter system similar to NASCAR is now forcing teams to cough up extra money and find paying drivers that bring in sponsorship as opposed to the talent pool. Options And I think, uh, unfortunately, uh, Michael Andretti, I think, has set uh, things in motion. And unfortunately, I don't believe this, this might not be the only one uh, where we have victims uh, based on not having sponsorship money. I think you talk about guys that could be really hurt by this. Uh, D- James Hinscliffe comes to mind in his fights to find a ride. Spencer Pickett comes to mind. Connor Daly comes to mind. We need to grow the field as far as full-time entrants. And what Michael Andre is doing by locking out the field, much like NASCAR has done with uh, all of their events is not what the IndyCar needs at this point. They need to be bringing teams in, not trying to lock teams out at this point. And I think some of the comments in that racer article uh, by Marshall Pruitt were, I think, uh, rather unfortunate on Michael Andre's part.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about some of those names you mentioned. I, I mean, I, I like Connor Daly. He's a local boy, I, and everybody knows that I really am a big fan of James Hinchcliffe. So let me play the fan card here for a second. Um, you don't think you don't think that Hinchcliffe has uh, an opportunity here to take advantage of Sebastian Bourdais going over to Amsa? Well,
4: Coyne has made it clear he wants a paying driver. Now, he has that with Santillo Ferrucci with the Clydell manufacturing and David Perreti uh, backing that he brings in. But clearly, it's not enough because uh, I think they would have immediately made the move. I mean, yes, they've been talking to Hinch, but Hinch just doesn't have the money. And it's clear to me that they are looking for someone that has the necessary funds to get there. And it's clear that Hinch doesn't have the money. That's why he lost his ride. I think it's also clear to me that Spencer Piggott doesn't have the money. That's why ECR went with Ryan VK, the uh, Indy Light Series runner-up, as opposed to Piggott. So, uh, honestly, I think right now it wouldn't surprise me if Spencer Piggott possibly ends up with Mazda or a GTD team in IMSA. And James Hinch, uh, the best I think that he could do right now is maybe get, you know, a ride for maybe with Penske's Acura team, at the Daytona bring Enduros, maybe a ride in GTD with the MSR Accurate team in IMSA, uh, unless they could find a severe amount of money here within the next uh, couple of month, weeks or months or so, um, I think right now for them, the best they could possibly hope for is an Indy-only ride at this point. And that's not saying much, but unfortunately, with the threat of Charter taking over IndyCar, much like Indy, it is a NASCAR where the lockout and the, opportunities are far limited now than they used to be. Uh, I think that is really uh, starting to get to the situation where now money means more than talent. And uh, that's again, a scary slope. I think that IndyCar needs to be very careful about trying to enter because I think that's what did in uh, cart led to the split led to the dissolution of champ car. Uh, we do not need to be locking teams out. We do not need to make this a country club thing. where only a few, uh, you know, gifted and chosen ones are in the circuit right now. And unfortunately, uh, what Michael Andretti's view showed is that uh, they want to get back to this country club uh, charter locked in situation and trying to keep other teams out. And that's not what IndyCar really needs at this point.
1: Well, you know, and it does kind of surprise me uh, with Hintz uh, hanging on him for just a second here. Uh, it does kind of surprise me that he is having such a uh, a struggle with sponsorship because he is one of the fan favorites. A lot of people would even argue that he is the ambassador of the sport and, and what he's done for Honda. I, it just amazes me that he's, that he's struggling in that area. When we, when we talk about just, just so we could put it in layman's terms for those that don't uh, speak our language, but when we talk about paying drivers and we're, we're talking about sponsorships and that sort of things. So we're talking about, uh, the money that sponsors are going to provide, this isn't money that's coming directly out of their pocket. But I am surprised that with the relationship over the years that James Hinchcliffe has developed with Honda, that he's struggling to have
2: a sponsorship or relationship with that. What, what do you think accounts for that? Well, it's
4: with Honda. The problem is it's not enough. He needs something more than just the Honda money, because Honda not only is giving money to Hinchcliffe, but they're giving money to other teams and to other drivers. So it's not just Hinchcliffe that Honda is giving money to, and there's only so much money Honda can provide. So therefore, Hinch has to find personal sponsorship, and that's something the American drivers, I've been saying for years, need to start adapting to. Because it eventually them out. Because a phone in today's society, as much as I don't like it and you don't like it, Tom, is what people are looking for. The bottom line is, do you have the funds to be able to afford the ride? And unfortunately, the Honda money alone just isn't enough to get James over the top. Now, if someone else comes forward, say maybe a couple of investors, like maybe that team stand to – back to uh, where he'll serve at the Indy 500 or maybe Kingdom Racing. Davey Hamilton's group comes forward and helps him out. Maybe that would be enough to get him over with one of these teams. But right now, he just doesn't have the backing necessary uh, to give one of these up rides. And unfortunately, for a majority of the rides left on the table right now, the Carlin Ride, Foyt, ECR, with their road course specialist. They are looking for paid drivers right now, and unfortunately, James just cannot step up to the plate with the necessary funds at this point to merit one of those rides.
1: What about NASCAR? There's a thought. Hitch, Honda, NASCAR, what are your thoughts?
4: Again, uh, NASCAR is looking for paying drivers, I'm sure that would be the same situation uh, with Honda. Uh, If Honda were to jump ship and go to NASCAR, I think that would be another scenario where uh, he would probably have to bring in some funding to secure the seat, uh, much like, I mean, we saw that with Tyler Reddick getting a seat. Uh, That's probably be part of the deal with whoever replaces Jimmy, replaces Jimmy Johnson in 2021 at Hendrick. Um, So you look at those scenarios. uh, Unfortunately, I don't think you can find a circuit where talent means anything anymore. It is the bottom line and who can bring in the money. And that's why I keep saying a cost cap needs to be considered because these costs are getting so out of control that, I mean, some of these teams are on a threat. I mean, now, the teams like Andretti, Ganassi, Penske, they're fine. But the teams that Michael Andretti, and pardon me for using the term here, Tom, but Joe Blow, calling these teams Joe Blow and whatever, I think were, was in very poor taste. I mean, some of these teams are just barely scraping to get teams together, and they are bad priests, uh like Michael did. Uh, I just, uh, it just disgusts me that uh, Michael would use that kind of uh, thoughts to describe the teams that are really keeping the sport and really creating some drama for the sport, especially as they did in the past, this past month of May.
1: Well, we also uh, saw this week, or, uh, or at least conversation Andretti's talking about bringing back IndyCar franchises. What are your thoughts?
4: That's that charter that I've been talking about. I, right. I, I do not like I just think it is a lockout to teams. And right now, 24 full-time teams, I just don't think that's secure enough with the way things change as far as the economy. I mean, that could easily – drop down to 20 again before you can your fingers. So they need to be working on things to build up and bring more teams in, not, you know, try to secure the teams that are already in. They need to be thinking about trying to increase the interest in the series, not closing the door on opportunities where other teams that are interested can't get in or can't afford to get in because they can't meet the parameters of the franchising or the charting.
2: Well, yeah, and absolutely, we'll be monitoring that and see what happens. VK also confirmed at ECR.
4: I think it's a good move, but unfortunately, I just don't think ECR, even with the extra money they're going to get from Jumbo Supermarkets, is going to be competitive anywhere outside the Ovals and the Indianapolis 500. Uh, They weren't with Piggott, who is a very talented driver and I think would be competitive in a much better car. And it pays me to say that because I know Carpenter and everybody is trying their hearts out. But the fact of the matter is they are not a road course team. They are a team that specializes their focus on ovals, and that has always been their chief concern. And unless something changes dramatically where they can get, you know, more funding in, et cetera, I think their best chances are on ovals. So I think you'll see, just like with Piggott, I think you'll see BK do very well in qualifying at the Indianapolis 500, maybe some of the oval tracks. But I believe he will struggle miserably on the road and street circuits, much like what happened to Spencer Piggott. So I don't think you're going to see much of a change in terms of uh, the results of that 21 car uh, in, or in 2020.
1: Let's we'll talk a little bit about Connor Daly. The rumor is uh, that he might make a shift over to dirt track racing, which I think he would do very well there. But also let's talk a little bit about, of course, we know about the recent news about Penske, uh, uh owning IndyCar now. And, okay, it's Penske Entertainment, but it's still Roger Penske. What are your, how do you think this is going to come into play uh, with what we've been talking about all morning here with the sponsorships and that sort of stuff? So, Connor Daly could uh, find a a very comfortable uh, plush ride, no pun intended, over in the Dirt Track Series. But I just think that uh, maybe there's some
2: opportunities,
1: some optimism to look at, if you will, uh, with uh, Penske now
2: owning uh, IndyCar Series.
4: I think right now for Connor Daly... The best option for him right now is the road course ride for ECR replacing Carpenter in the 20 car for those road course races. I think that's as good as it's going to get because I don't think you, that's probably the ride that the best ride he could hope for at this point. Because I don't know if being, you know, every other race with a team like Carlin, who's going to be relying on multiple drivers during the year or Foyt for multiple drivers for the, during the year is really going to help him a whole lot. And at least, at worst, it would give him a competitive car for the Indianapolis 500. And he was competitive in the 500 this past year, running his highest third uh, late in the race before he faded to 11. So I think that would be the best scenario. My only concern, though, is if he goes dirt track racing then goes for the Indy only ride and takes that caution marshal ride, what does that mean for Pippa Mann? What does that mean for some of the other drivers uh, looking for rides? But I think right now the question is, uh, would Pippa Mann, if – Indeed, Connor Daly takes this dirt ride and then takes the caution marshal ride Indy 500. Uh, what would that mean for Pippa Mann's future in the Indianapolis 500? I think that would be my biggest concern. If he
3: well, you know, I,
1: I I like Pippa Mann. I had a chance to meet her along about the same time that I met James Henscliffe. They were in the same class there with in the with the Indy Light series. And nothing against Pippa Mann, but she just seems to be an Indy 500 driver. If I'm an owner and I'm looking at a driver. Uh, I, I just kind of think that I want somebody that can race more than Indianapolis 500. Yeah, she did well in the Indianapolis 500, but it just seems to be that that's what she she is. She's a one event a year type of deal. So we'll see what happens. Um, there, you know, real quickly here before we move on to some other stuff here. We were we were talking about the cost of how much it costs to to be an in IndyCar and the sponsorship. I'm wondering, should the cost of ownership be lower to entice more people to get involved in IndyCar and therefore open up more seats? Or maybe the cost should actually increase as to make uh, the grid more competitive. I guess if you're Roger Penske, is your focus more about getting owners into the field or making it, the racing even better? Uh, there's got to be – I just think there's got to be a happy medium uh, for to be able to do both. Uh, that's just kind of my final thoughts on that. I mean, you have the views of Michael Andretti and you have the views
4: of Penske. Penske want to expand the grid, while it seems like Michael Andretti wants to protect who was already in there in their interest. Uh, of course, though, you have Michael Andretti with five teams plus the six that he is supporting technically, and he could be entering a, yet a seventh car for the Indianapolis 500 only. So, uh, he's got a, the biggest investment in there. So I don't think he wants to put any of his cars at risk. That's maybe what he is doing and I guess in that view, he's kind of, you know, putting everything else on the back burner, but I guess that's his interest, and that's why he would want to do that. Penske, though, understands and is doing more things for the series, which I think is the better route to go. And trying to encourage these teams to keep increasing races and encouraging teams to make the move up, like perhaps a Velarde might make the move up or a Coast they could funding. I think that's the way they need to go right now, because uh, if you start. Closing the door on teams, uh, you get back to the situation you had the, just before the remerge in 2008, where teams uh, say, "There's the doors are getting locked here. What do I gain by joining the circuit if I'm not going to be if I'm not going to get the protections that the teams already in there are getting?" So I think that's the biggest concern right now on some of these uh, prospective owners. If indeed we have a charter franchise uh, situation that comes into play. So right now, I think keep trying to keep expanding the grid should be concern number one on Roger Penske's list at this point, not trying to franchise and charter the series to protect the haves and hurt the have-nots.
1: Also this uh, week, we said goodbye to an IndyCar legend. Veteran John Martin died at the age of 80. What are your thoughts about John Martin? and not
4: so much on John Martin obviously it's unfortunate we've lost another uh you know one of the older guard of the drivers because they're becoming fewer and far between now especially uh you have a bunch of the guys John Cock uh have is having his issue health issues uh Vert Steve has had a few health issues and scares and obviously we know what's happened with Floyd over the last several years with the surgeries and all that stuff so You know it's tough to say goodbye to these guys, but unfortunately, time moves on, and unfortunately these things are going to happen. But uh, yeah, John Martin, not necessarily a guy that had great results, but you talk about guys that uh, would try to that successfully were able to get in the field on a shoestring budget, and uh, John Martin's name certainly
1: comes to mind. Well, I talk about uh, time doesn't uh, stop for anybody. Jimmy Johnson announced this year that, and we kind of saw this coming. uh, One of the NASCAR legends been around for a long time. uh, A a, a protege of uh, of Jeff Gordon uh, certainly has won probably more NASCAR races than anybody on a handful. I think the argument could be made. He's probably one of the best NASCAR drivers of all time. Jimmy Johnson at the end of 2020, decides to hang it up.
2: Well,
4: right now, Jimmy Johnson, look at the situation he's in right now. The focus clearly with Hendrick Motorsports is shifting to William Byron and Chase Chase Elliott. Chevrolet has been uncompetitive compared to Ford and to Toyota. So he is in a very bad position as it is right now. And the opportunities are not there for a Toyota ride. So the last thing he needs to do is just stick in, you know, a mid-pack competitive car, mid-pack at best car, and just uh, just sit there. I mean, that's not what Jimmy Johnson's about. I mean, this is a guy that, remember, in year one of his career was challenging for a championship as a rookie. So that fact alone I'm sure is egging on him a bit. And the fact he hasn't been, hasn't been competitive, and uh, I think it's easier for him to hang up now that he's no longer, you know, paired up with Chad Knauss. I think there's been uh, a lack of seeing eye to eye with the crew chiefs that he's had ever since uh, he and part, parted ways with Knauss. And I, I just sense there's just a frustration building there. And I'm, I'd love to have Steve Wilson's uh, opinion on it. But I think there's just a frustration building in Jimmy Johnson's head with the way that he has not been competitive. And it's kind of like what Rick Beers had at the end of his career where he's starting to think to himself, you know what? I don't need this. You know, it, it's, it's just, it's a no win situation me right now. And I think that's, what's part of the motivation right now saying, if I can't be competitive, what do I gain by just, you know, languishing at the back of the pack, kind of like what Richard Petty did in the late stages of his career. Uh, what do I gain by doing that? I mean, other than possibly getting caught up in someone else's mess, get seriously hurt, something, one of these unforeseen situations. So I think it's, uh, you know, understandable as frustrated, but I think it also shows a lot of character in Jimmy saying, you know what, if things aren't going to work out for me right now, It's better that I step down and step aside instead of, you know, trying to make something out of nothing, kind of like what some of these other legends have tried to do late in their careers and made a fool of themselves. I think at least Jimmy has the, you know, wherewithal to realize when one's his time and when it's not his time. And I think he's clearly seeing now that the time is running out in that hourglass and it's time to maybe step aside and, you know, give it to someone that is going to get the attention that they deserve.
1: Well, I'm sure that he'll follow in the steps of Dale and Jeff and get into the broadcast booth somewhere. Uh, so just because he's stepping out of the car, uh, he'll still be around the track on the, in a very uh, frequent basis. So we'll be curious to see what network he ends up. Uh, real quickly, before we wrap it up and put he, on the ownership
4: Justin Marks supposedly is going to do, that's another thing that we've been hearing that Jimmy Johnson might go the ownership route as
1: well. Hmm. It's an interesting uh, twist. I had not heard yet. Uh, well, certainly, uh, before we wrap things up and put a bow on it, Notre Dame uh, hosts Boston College. Uh, not a lot to talk about there. Uh, certainly, they're eight and two. Boston College comes in at five and five. The Boston College Eagles. I would think that Notre Dame can check this box off and and uh, continuing moving on down the road. I would assume, uh, based on what we're looking at now, that the Notre Dame playoff hopes are all but gone. Uh, we'll see. I'm sure they'll get into a New Year's Day bowl somewhere. Uh, but Notre Dame uh, hosts Boston College. What are your thoughts, sir? Well, obviously, I don't
4: know if you're aware of
1: the hot water Notre
4: NBC has gotten themselves into
2: in the past 48 hours when they are saying uh it's supposed on the anniversary of. Okay, Matthew, I think Matthew, we've lost you. Are you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, go ahead. You were cutting out. Go ahead. Yeah, MBC has uh, gotten themselves in a lot of hot water. Because supposedly,
4: you know, Doug Flutie is the analyst, former Boston College star. And he is saying, and MBC on their Twitter page says, where is your? where were you when, you know, the Doug of Gerard Phelan, Hail Mary pass against Miami several years ago? Where were you when that happened? And a lot of Notre Dame Nation has gotten real mad about that, that they are saying, hey, this is Notre Dame on NBC, and you're talking about a Boston College memory. So I think uh, there's going to be a lot of frustrated fans uh, wanting to see not only Notre Dame win this game, but see, because of that comment, Notre Dame blow away Boston College on Senior Day. So I'm sure there are going to be a lot of fans hoping for a blowout in this contest today.
2: Matthew Embry, WSBT up with South Bend. Uh, where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? Or not? Matthew, you're still with us. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. The- Matthew, you're cutting out on us. Uh, go ahead and, and try to repeat what you said
1: there.
4: Yep, M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y on Twitter, and like we keep saying, uh, we'll keep an eye on uh, this IndyCar stuff, because I'm sure it's going to hot up after Thanksgiving Day holiday, With uh, who knows, maybe a few drivers that don't have uh, the sponsorship money may also uh, end up with a pink slip here before long.
1: Matthew Embry, WSVT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, we appreciate you joining us, and have yourself a good weekend, sir. Good Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, he he was calling us from the millennial falcon, so uh, not sure exactly what happened there, maybe got sucked up into a black hole, but that was Matthew Embry, he, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, talking about IndyCar, all of the struggles that are going on right now, certainly one of the biggest news is Sebastian Bordet, uh goes into MSA, still, a uh, question remains for Connor Daly, and uh, James Hinchcliffe. My name is Hot Marcus South, President at 917-889-8516 On the docket next is Tony D from the Tony Tony Donohue from the Tony D podcast. Why do I always get that backwards? We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio
3: Network. in leaning, baby, come give me a kiss. Put me on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Uptown, down home, American Kids
0: Face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning,
3: Good morning. guys. Good morning. Ah, what is oh, that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Oh, They're of my eyes. We're
0: moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some.
4: Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. I, it, I, I can't believe it. I've
3: been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. <laughs> pass the ball, pass the rod. We're open, <laughs> just pass the ball.
1: Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah.
4: Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more
3: unbelievable Geico videos, give subscribe a click. Here's to the straggly ones, the first ones. Hey, I look good with this ones. The black, brown, red and gray ones. The itchy ones. The ones grown by dad. The ones grown for dad. The I nearly didn't do it this year ones. And the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com.
1: All right. Welcome back to the balance. It's you, Matthew Embry, WSVT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, Uh, breaking down some IndyCar funny season. Also, a little bit of the Notre Dame, uh, Boston College action. Joining us now, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Tony, happy Thanksgiving pre-weekend to you, sir. (laughs) Uh,
5: Outside of Memorial Day, I think Thanksgiving is probably my favorite holiday.
1: Heck, yeah. You got beer. You got all kinds of food. And you got football. I mean, it does not get any better than that, right? Uh, so
2: so it, you, you, you get a week's worth of leftovers,
1: and a week's worth of leftovers—nothing better than a leftover turkey sandwich and pumpkin pie—that's uh, for for sure. Tony, thank you for joining us uh, today. Uh, real quickly, uh, before we get into some uh, uh, other conversations on the docket here, uh, Sebastian, bore big news coming out of IndyCar, and we're still talking about hey. The situations with sponsorship. We got Connor Daly still needing to ride, Hinch needing to ride, and now we see that Sebastian Bourdais breaks ties uh, with Del Coyne to go over to IMSA, and it just seems like we've just got a, a, a battle, if you will, where if if we want to make the the racing better, and so we want to kind of limit the field, but then also. One would think, financially-wise, you would maybe want to lower the cost of of being in IndyCar to allow more drivers. But what are your your thoughts? This is just another uh, notch in the bedpost, if you will, of IndyCar and trying to figure this out. NASCAR is going through the same thing. But uh, here again, we we, we just see situations with sponsorships. As much money and as much relationship that Hinch has with Honda just can't seem to get done. Big news uh, in the IndyCar funny season this week.
5: Yeah, I mean it's a financially driven series, as we know. And if you can get younger and with a younger driver that has money, a lot of a lot of teams are going to take that opportunity. We saw that Carpenter Racing do that last week. Uh, we saw um, Arrow Arrow Schmidt McLaren do that as well. Um, I was a bit surprised by the four A news, but again, um, you know, I think as a team. Every, every couple of years, you have to really look look at where you are and, and and what benefits you have. And Sebastian Bordet is a great driver on the road courses, but he's not really a threat on the ovals. And we saw Santino Ferrucci uh, kind of step up and prove that he could be the, the future of Dale Coyne Racing. Um, it, 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 it's a money-driven sport, but I think it's also a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sport. And can you compete for a championship? And the bottom line is Bordet and guys like James Hinchcliffe and Spencer Pickett to find themselves on the outside looking in, just simply haven't competed uh, for for race wins on a consistent basis. And I understand that that's hard to do when Andretti's got four cars, Penske's got three, and Ganassi's got two. Um, but the Kumasados had no problem winning races in a second car. Ray Hall. Um, we've seen a couple other uh, winners from guys that aren't on those top teams. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. It'd be interesting to see where James Hinchcliffe lands. I think he went from. Heading into this off season thinking next year you could have 26 strong car team combinations, uh, car, car driver combinations. And, and now you're looking at maybe 19 or 20 uh, with some of the top names in the series uh, on the outside looking. in. So uh, we'll, we'll see where these guys end up and, and, and we'll see if any of them get at least a run at the 500. But but again, I mean, it's a, what have you done for me lately sport. And it's also a sport where uh, teams have to continue to get younger and give these younger guys with talent, with money opportunities and we, saw, and we saw some of those guys like Mateus Laced. He had money. He was great in the light series, but he moves up into a, a bad ride at Foyt, and he can't really get his footing uh, in the series. But, but now there's some, there's some rides that have been opened up for some young drivers that have a chance to uh, compete for Rookie of the Year and possibly race wins.
1: Well, we'll see what happens. You know, and and then, of course, real quickly, what are your thoughts on the NASCAR uh, championship there? And, of course, this week, uh, Jimmy Johnson, one of the greats, says uh, see you at the end of 2020. We'll see you probably follow in the footsteps of Dale and Jeff. But, Matthew, was just talk a little bit about he might take the ownership, right? But so what are your thoughts about uh, one of the greats hanging it up?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it was probably time. I think he had a – he struggled the last two years, barely made the, you know, barely made the playoffs this year. Um, i would take a second place run Chicago Chicagoland for him to get in. Um, you know, he'll get a farewell tour that he obviously deserves and then maybe we'll come see him, uh, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway run the road course race or run a road course, uh, in Indy college That would be cool. But I certainly think ownership, uh, maybe, maybe in the booth somewhere, you know, Fox has to replace Daryl Walter, you know, that this was his last year. So uh, maybe we see that in the future, but, yeah, it's just kind of crazy to think that we're heading into 2020 and it's really a changing of the guard. We'll go from having the likes of Stewart and Gordon and Earnhardt Jr. and Carl Edwards and Matt Kenseth and all these names that we knew in the NASCAR heyday the 2000s, Kurt Busch, uh, to we're going to be a few years from now and none of those drivers are going to be there. So, I think mean, it's a great time for guys, you know, for fans to jump on with Kyle Larson and, and Chase Elliott and Christopher Bell, who's coming up through the series, uh, or Kyle Busch, some of these guys that will be here for the next, you know, 10 to 15 years. And I think we'll see Kyle Larson move over to Hendrick and be in that 48 car.
1: We'll be interested to see what happens. That's for sure. Well, let's uh, move on down the the docket here. We're talking about Tony Donahue, of the Tony D podcast. Certainly, uh, if you want to add to your podcast collection, he's he's the guy to, to check out. Let's talk about Thursday night. Man, are we banging our heads uh, as as Colts fans? Uh, the Colts uh, go into Texas. I, I mean. Wow. You can't blame it on Vinny. You can't blame it on Jacoby. You can't blame it on, uh, I mean, what, what can we point to? Uh, Oh, Darius Leonard, the call should have been reviewed, but it was really wasn't a reviewable call anyway. Uh, I mean, it was a disappointing loss, but it just goes to show you that two people trying to dominate two teams trying to dominate the AFC South were at battle. And uh, so now the series are tied at one and one. And, you know, uh, it's 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 going to be a bloodbath all the way to the end in the AFC South, uh, but certainly uh, what were your thoughts about the Colts losing to the Texans 17-20 uh, to 20 there in Houston?
5: Yeah, I mean, it came down to just being able to take advantage of opportunities, and the Colts had opportunities to move the football through the air, and they just really couldn't get that passing game going. They became a little bit too one-dimensional and trying to run the run the ball, especially without – uh, you, you, your main guy, Marlon Mack, and their naive Hines had a couple of good runs. But too many drop balls. Um, Q.Y. Hilton had a couple drops that would have been first down. Um, Eric Ebron uh, continues on third down to run routes that are short of the, of the first down. And he's just simply not good enough to break tackles and to make guys miss to get those extra yards. Um, so I thought there was a lot of um, missed opportunities on the offensive side of the football. There was really no sense of urgency. Yeah, you could say that maybe that fumble – was a fumble. But, again, I mean, if you showed a little bit more sense of urgency and maybe taking a timeout earlier in that fourth quarter, um, maybe you wouldn't be in that scenario. So, um, I thought it was a winnable football game for the Colts. I thought that they controlled, uh, they controlled the game. I mean, they took the lead and had a chance to they kind of put them away. They let the Texans hang in it. And, you know, you, you just can't make mistakes and you have to execute in games that are low-scoring like that and that are going to be close. So, um, not not good for the Colts. Uh, the schedule kind of lines up for them to finish better than the Texans. Uh, but the Texans right now are, are, are our hot football team. Deshaun Watson has been playing well. Um, the Colts, I mean, I I assume they can win ten games. I mean, you can beat the Bucs. You can beat the Panthers. You can beat the, the Titans. I think those are winnable games. I don't think you're going to get the Bills, too, as well. I don't think that, you know, you're going to be able to beat the Chargers, or excuse me, the the Saints down in New Orleans on Monday Night Football, but I think the Colts have some winnable games from here on out.
1: Well, let's hope so. I I, I mean, when we walked into the season this year, uh, knowing what happened with Andrew Luck and just knowing a lot of the the unknown variables, are we happy with where we're at right now uh, a little bit more than halfway through the season?
5: Well, I, I think as a Colts fan, you're not because, you know, when you find out Andrew Luck retired, what is all that you've heard about was of Jacoby Brissett was he is, a, he is a starting quarterback in this league. We're not going to trade him. We've been offered trades for him. So the expectations are still the same, and that's to make a deep playoff run. So if you're listening to the front office, that's kind of where your thoughts were. And I think that knowing that you look back and you're adamantary make away from winning two other games, um, you definitely should have beat the Dolphins. I don't think you're satisfied because this team at 6-5 and five could easily be 8-3 and three if they just execute the way that they do at other games. It's a very inconsistent football team. It's a football team where you don't know week in and week out what you're going to get because everybody in their right mind thought they'd beat the Dolphins and they couldn't even get that done. Uh, but nobody thought they were going to go into Kansas City and win, and they did. Uh, they lose earlier in the year uh, on the first week because of a couple missed field goals to a Chargers team that has shown – some inconsistencies as well so um, I think you're disappointed if you're a Colts fan because you've had numerous opportunities to prove that you should be in that top two top three discussion in the AFC and you just haven't been able to execute it
1: well as we look around the AFC obviously the Patriots are still the the dominant team but we're, we're seeing a little bit of struggles I mean we like to maybe we just like to believe it that it's there maybe we're seeing something that's not there but I mean, there was questionable whether or not Brady would even play this week. Obviously, we know that he will. And I think since he joined the team, uh, he's always been questionable on the official injury list. But uh, maybe there's a glimpse of hope there for us Patriot haters. Uh, but there again, the, right now, to win the AFC, you're going to have to go through the Patriots.
5: Yeah, I think the only team that right now has proven that they could beat the Patriots that beat the Patriots, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. They just become so dynamic on the offensive end uh, with Lamar Jackson out there and the ability um, to get on And Now Patrick Mahomes can get fully healthy and get back into a rhythm coming off that injury, and the Chiefs have a chance too, but again, for usual, you're right, you have to go through New England, and it, we, we know, we see it every year, how tough it is to beat New England, especially at Foxboro um, in an early January game with a chance to go to the, the Super Bowl, so I think the Ravens can do it. I think the Chiefs, if they get healthy, uh, can do it. But, but right now, yeah, all things lead to uh, New England going
1: back to the Super Bowl. Well, if we look at the NFC, the, 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 it's a lot more tighter of a race. And you look at the San Francisco 49ers. Who would have thought they would have been at 9-1? And, and And the Eagles and uh, the Cowboys are, are in a tight race as well in the NFC East. And, and of course, the Packers at 8-2 and two and the Vikings at 8-3. and three. So it's a tight race over in the NFC as well.
5: Yeah, I've been really impressed with what the Vikings have done. Kirk Cousins has shown that, hey, he's worth, worthy of the contract that he never got in Washington. Uh, he, he can win football games. Uh, the Packers are the Packers, and we know that Aaron Rodgers is going to get things done. Uh, but I've been really impressed with the Vikings, the 49ers at 9-1. Um, you know, they've, you wait for them to bend and break, but they've only broke once in that one loss. Um, I like what I've seen out of the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. Do I trust him fully in the playoffs? Uh, no, I'm going I'm to go with a team like Aaron Rodgers that's got the quarterback that can get it done. Or if Minnesota were to get home field advantage, that's a very, very tough place to play. They got down to Denver last Sunday, but they got back in that game and wound up winning. Um, so that's 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 where you kind of are in the NFC. Um, I don't really trust the Eagles. I don't really trust the Cowboys at this point. Um, so, so so we're going to see how, how that plans out. But right now I think the Vikings and the Packers, um, maybe the Rams, but they, they haven't really been impressive either. I mean, it took – Took a lot. I mean, it took it took a big defensive stand to beat uh, the Bears with the backup quarterback. So I think Vikings and Packers right now are the two teams that I most look for, look for um, to come out of the NFC.
2: Well, and we'll certainly see
1: what happens. Uh, but as as we walk around the NFL this week, what are some of the games we're looking at here? We, we're seeing uh, obviously the, the, one of the big games was on Thursday night. And that was the Colts against against Houston. But we've got uh, uh, Cleveland, uh, who's who's starting to figure things out uh, in spite of what happened uh, last week. Uh, what are your thoughts as we walk around the NFL?
5: Um, yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at uh, a, a couple of games that maybe stick out to you. Um, you know, the Saints, can they show the offensive consistency that they showed last week? Or will they show the crab offensive performance that they showed two weeks ago at home? Um, outside of that, Seahawks and Eagles is a good one. I think that's kind of going to be mm, a gauge of absolutely. where the Seahawks are to the East. And it's going to be a gauge of whether the Eagles can compete against playoff teams or not. Um, Packers 49ers, obviously, is, is a, going to be a great game. Uh, but I also said that Monday nighter, uh, the Ravens going up against a pretty decent defense west would I take on the Rams. Um, I'm sorry, the Ra- yeah, so we'll see if the Ravens can go on the Rams- road, and we'll see if Lamar Jackson is the real deal um, by, by going out west to take on L.A., and the Rams so Ravens Rams is a good one uh 49ers Packers and Seahawks Eagles would be the three games that that I would get my popcorn ready for
1: well definitely the Packers and the 49ers I mean if the Packers uh, find a way to beat the 49ers it is going to really open up the debate who's the better team over there uh I just I like the Packers in this matchup on the road against San Francisco
5: yeah, I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers. You know, you go with what you know, and it's Aaron Rodgers who can make the plays when needed. This has 20 to 17 written all over it. a low-scoring game. Um, we'll, we'll see if the 49ers can bring it. It's their second-biggest test of the year. And the last time we were talking about the 49ers having a big test, uh, you know, they lost at home to the Seahawks. Uh, they struggled a little bit in putting away the Cardinals last week. Um, they struggled actually two out of the last three weeks to put away the Cardinals. So uh, we'll see if we get the, the 49ers team that, that struggles late in the fourth quarter or the team that blows good people out like they did the Panthers with the Redskins and with the Browns a few weeks ago.
2: Let's
1: put on the Homer hat again. My Indiana Hoosiers played that tough, tough game against Penn state last week. This week they host uh, Michigan. I mean, Michigan comes in at eight and two, but when was the last time we got to say that IU was seven to three hosting Michigan at eight and two and coming off a, I mean, it it was a um, epic, game last week and I I'm I'm it's unfortunate that IU lost but as an IU fan how they played against Penn State was amazing and, for, and if they beat Michigan today that's just another uh, another icing on the cake if you will but what are your thoughts IU and Michigan
5: Yeah I mean IU seen the last couple of years to play uh, really well against Michigan, whether it was down in IU or down in Bloomington. Um, if they can get the passing game going and kind of get that defense offset a little bit that Michigan brings at you and get them uncomfortable, IU's got a chance to make this a competitive game. Uh, I would take IU in the points if I was betting it. Uh, I think this is a different IU team than we've seen over the last couple of years. They know they're going to go bowling. Uh, they've got the confidence. They've got the high-powered offense. Uh, I've been very impressed with the Hoosiers so far this year.
1: You know, uh, the, the, the good and the bad of winning and have a winning season is and once you have a winning season, teams start looking at coaches. Tom Allen might be looked at by other teams, but I'd hate to see him go, but do you think there's a possibility of Tom Allen uh, after a successful season this year go somewhere else?
3: I
5: don't think so. Um, I think he still has to prove that he can do this consistently in a very tough Big Ten. Uh, I mean, this is the first year that they've had under Tom Allen where um, – they were relevant, and you didn't think they were going to get blown on every week. So, I think if he maybe has another year of this, uh, there's a possibility. But, I mean, look at Brom. People were looking at Brom, and he struggled this year. So, if you can consistently have a bowl team, uh, you know, two years in a row, three years in a row, then yes. But I think we're a year or two away from, uh, from Tom Allen being looked at by any other teams.
1: You think we're uh, getting close to a New Year's Day bowl game?
5: Uh, I think a, a win today against Michigan would definitely uh, bode well for that. Uh, I think the Citrus Bowl uh, is an outside opportunity. Uh, but more than likely, this team ends up in the Red Box Bowl or the Music City Bowl down in Nashville.
1: Well, it's a bowl game. I don't care if it's the tulip bowl. I'll take yeah. it. That's for sure. L- LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama all round out the top five. Um uh the, your top 3 are all undefeated at this point I think we're, we we're starting to really see the uh final four uh, come into play uh but uh, Tua out with Alabama how big of how big of an issue is that and scary thing seeing him get cut off the field but uh, maybe if you're an Alabama hater you don't want anything bad to happen to Tua but you're you're okay with the fact that he's not on the field
5: Yeah and the thing with Alabama is I mean you know You think about the other loss to LSU, but is it a blessing in the skies knowing that, okay, now we don't have to play in the SEC championship game, and LSU does. And if LSU were to lose to Georgia, that moves Georgia up, obviously cemented into the top four, and would maybe Alabama slide in kind of the back door there. So we'll see what Ohio State can do with Penn State today. I'm interested to see these teams that are trying to stay in the top four, how badly they blow teams down. I mean, LSU is 42-point favorites today um, against Arkansas. Uh, Penn State and, Alabama, and, and Ohio State. Ohio State's 20-point favorites over number eight Penn State. And that just shows the fact that even Vegas thinks these teams that are trying to stay in the top four are going to blow as many teams out as possible. Uh, and with Alabama today playing Western Carolina, I mean, that's a 55-point game. I know Western Carolina probably would start me at quarterback if they could. Uh, but at the end of the day, like these teams that are in the top four are going to be blowing some people out, uh, and we'll see what Georgia can do next week when they return to the field as well.
1: You mentioned that Ohio State and Penn State certainly uh, you mentioned to uh, get out your popcorn and watch this game, Penn State and Ohio State. A uh, big game. Let's uh, break that down for a second. What are your thoughts on that? Because I think that uh, Ohio State will win it, but I think Penn State can stay in it.
5: Yeah, and I think Penn State at number eight right now is thinking, okay, we have a very outside chance of making it uh, to, you know, the, the, the final four, so to speak. But if you beat Ohio State today on the road, you're going to move up into sixth, maybe even fifth. And then you break yourself into the Big Ten championship game. If you win that, you could be sitting pretty knowing like, okay, hey, we went to Ohio State. We got that win. We're the Big Ten champions. We should get a look at as well. And, I mean, this is a Penn State team that at 9-1, and one, um, you know, only has that one loss at Minnesota. Uh, and Minnesota we see now it's ranked in the top 12, top 10 um, I think Penn State's thinking, hey, if we can go in and we can upset these boys at Ohio State and, and punch our ticket to the Big Ten championship game, we've got a chance to make it to that to that, uh, that final four of the college football playoffs.
1: Tony Donna here with the Tony T Podcast joins us finally. Uh, Tony, uh, the NFL releases their top uh, twelve running backs of all time. Uh, let me get your thoughts on this list: Jim Brown, Earl Campbell, Dutch Clark. Uh, Eric Dickerson, Lenny Moore, Marion Motley, Walter Payton—obviously Walter Payton will be there. Barry Sanders, uh, of course. Uh, Gail Sanders. Do we do we keep OJ Simpson in this list? In in lieu of what we know about OJ Simpson, Emma Smith and Steve Van Buren.
5: You know, I think what sticks out to me the most is just how far down Walter Payton and Barry Sanders are. I mean, you know. I never got to really see Walter Payton play, but you go back and you look at the highlights, and and the guy was, uh, I mean, he was huge. He was running people over when he needed to, and Barry Sanders was so fast out of the backfield. And, yes, he retired early, and he never really was on a team that was capable of of going to a Super Bowl or making a run, but but Barry Sanders and Walter Payton being that low on that list is is, is a little surprising to me,
1: yes. I I still have a problem with, and and maybe because I – you know, he was found innocent in the court of law, but uh, OJ Simpson, I just think maybe he's one of those players that we strike from the history books if that's possible. I mean, yeah, yeah, but, I mean, what what are our thoughts about a guy like OJ being on these top lists among some of the greats of the game?
5: I mean, he was just as good at getting out of tackles as he was with getting out of murder. So, I mean, you got to throw
1: him <laughs> in there, I guess. I guess so, and then, uh, but just everything that's been associated with O.J. Simpson. I guess yeah, you gotta, you gotta, gotta throw him in the mix. But yet, you can't put Pete Rose in the the Hall of Fame. So, bum bum, that's a that's a whole that's a whole nother can of worms. Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. <laughs> Uh, as as we, uh, appreciate you joining us here. But, uh, real quickly, uh, thoughts on on uh, Kyle Busch uh, winning the uh, NASCAR championship.
5: Yeah, I mean he has he didn't have the best car, but you know a mistake made on pit road by Martin Truex kind of gifted it to Kyle and um, to break out of the break out of the losing streak that he had been on since May. Um, you know he's he's a consistent driver, and when you put him in a one on one situation where he only has to beat three other guys two being his teammates that are in the same engineering meetings and the same meetings that he is. Uh, he, I thought that he was definitely the favorite. I thought Denny Hamlin had the momentum after the win in Phoenix. So yeah. um, another championship for Kyle Busch um, kind of, kind of dull and boring to me, if you want me to be honest.
1: No, I totally agree. And I, I'm very disappointed with uh, uh, ha- uh, Denny Hamlin. I mean, I just, I mean, there toward the end, I was just thinking, man, he's, he's going to get this. And then it just faded away. What, what what do we contribute to what happened with Denny?
5: Uh, I, I thought Denny thought that his car just went away when it turned nighttime. I mean, I thought he had a chance uh, to win it, and then you know, Truex was dominating the entire race. And once he had that problem on pit road, I mean, you can't put the wrong tire on the wrong on, on the wrong wheel there uh, in a championship race. So yeah, I'm sure Denny was disappointed. I mean, I kind of wanted to see him win since he'd be a first time champion, but. Uh, he just simply didn't have it, and, and when when Truex kind of bowed out, uh, Kyle Busch had the, had the next best car and, and, and took advantage of the opportunity.
1: You got to ask yourself if you're Denny Hamlin and if you're the crew chief of Denny Hamlin's team. Those kind of mistakes just can't. You, you talk about putting the wrong tire on. Those those kind of mistakes can't happen in a championship race. Race is over. We're into the off season. If you're if your ownership, Denny Hamlin, if you're Denny Hamlin, are you going to ownership saying, "Hey, uh, I'm questioning some leadership here"?
5: Uh, I mean, it happened. Yeah, it happened on Martin Truex's car and actually. That's why he lost the championship. And and I and, and it's crazy that that happens, knowing that if this is the 36th race of the year. This is, you know, you should have these kinks out. And on top of that, um, you know, you kind of think about uh, Cole Pern, who's his crew chief, who kind of kind of owns up to everything, you know, sit down, admit a mistake, and move on. But, yeah, you, you you would hope that wouldn't happen in championship race.
1: Tony here for the Tony D Podcast. Tony, you want to stick around and talk some college football with us, or you got to bail?
5: I got to run, buddy. Thanks for having me on.
1: All right, man. You have yourself a good Thanksgiving.
2: You too. Take care. All right. Tony Johnahoo of the Tony D Podcast. Joins us to to talk some uh, college football and
1: uh, NASCAR and IndyCar with us. So glad that he was able to join us today. Nine one seven eight nine eight five one six or digits. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car
3: insurance with Geico. Yeah.
4: Shoot a J! Shoot Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car
0: insurance. For more unbelievable Geico videos, give subscribe a click. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda.
3: Good morning, guys.
0: Good morning. Ah, what is oh, that thing?
3: It's me, Linda. Oh, my God,
0: it talks! Run! No,
3: it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry! Save the children! Save them! Stay back! I've got mace. Ow! That one of my eyes! moving!
0: It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA
4: Sultan and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home.
3: Here's to the straggly ones. The first ones. Hey, I look good with this ones. The black, brown, red, and gray ones. The itchy ones. The ones grown by Dad. The ones grown for Dad. The I nearly didn't do it this year ones. And the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com. We'll mm-hmm.
2: All right, welcome back to the balance.
1: One hour in the books. Thank you, Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, uh, calling and talking some IndyCar funny season. Sebastian Bourdais jumps ship from IndyCar over to Emsa. Also, uh, he talked a little bit of Notre Dame. We're going to get into that conversation in more detail as well. And Tony Donahue of the Tony D podcast joins us uh, to talk some NFL. And uh, a little bit of college football and racing news as well. But joining us now, the one, the only guy who can call us from a galaxy far, far away, Mr. Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor. Sir, how is you?
6: Pretty good. Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me, sir? Radio check to Rick yep. Riggin.
6: Well, difficulties with the uh, headset right when I came on the show, so I, I couldn't hardly hear the show, and then all of a sudden, yeah, I started hearing it good. But, yeah, it was weird. First time I've experienced that with this headset.
1: Well, maybe you didn't put your hearing aid in. Did you do that first?
6: Probably not.
2: <laughs>
6: Rick Reagan, it's Thanksgiving
1: pre-weekend, if you will. Our next show, uh, Thanksgiving, will be in the past, and we're going to be eating on all kinds of leftovers. But are you ready for a few days off? Some R and R, some beer, some football, and most importantly, you know turkey. You
6: know what? You know when Ray Lewis takes the. You know when Ray Lewis played, and he took the field. He always did that dance when he came onto the field. That Ray Lewis dance. You know what I mean? What I'm talking about? Uh-huh. That's what I. That's what I look like when I walk into the kitchen during Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> Man, so your turkey uh, this year? Are you the turkey maker, or is it up to the wife, or? How's it how's it done in the rigging household?
6: I usually do it, uh, but this time I'm going to smoke one. So I've never tried that before, but I'm going to set it in uh-huh. the brine for like 24 hours. Then I'm going to in uh-huh. the smoker the entire day because we're not having Thanksgiving until like Thursday night this, this year. So I'm going to have like an 8 to 10 hour smoke fit. I'm going to set it in the brine for 24 hours. Never done it that way before, but I'm going to try it this year.
1: You know, I've heard a, a lot of people on social media talking about that. I I try to make a just kind of a different, unique turkey every year. Everything I make is world famous. So uh, I have not smoked a turkey. I fried a turkey, but I've not smoked a turkey. I can't get it in that little white paper. I can't get it to work right. So <laughs> too early, <laughs> too early for that.
3: <laughs>
1: I'm going to make a right. my world f- famous. Cajun Creole chicken and I'm, I'm turkey. I'm sorry, I'm gonna put it in my roaster and let it cook all day long. Yummy, sir! Yummy, of course, that's, got pretty, football.
6: Good. that's
1: pretty good. Oh, yeah, it's gonna be uh, definitely tasty. Rick, Rick, let's let's jump into this. And we talked a little bit about this with uh with uh Tony and with uh Matt Embry, but let's go ahead and get the official conversation going on with college football. Notre Dame hosts his uh host is uh Boston College. Uh a lot of Notre Dame fans kinda up uh uprooted if you will because NBC is uh featuring some Boston College memories uh and not Notre Dame. are you on are you on that boat?
6: Oh no I'm I'm totally fine with it. I mean we gotta get Boston College something. They haven't been much of a football program uh over the course of their their existence. Since so Kelly was right? good years here and there. <laughs> Well, I mean, since uh, since Boston College has even been a football program, they had the Flutie years, which are good. Uh, they had a couple of good Flutie, linebackers. I can't think. Think of the, yeah, they had that Flutie uh, through the Hail Mary against uh Miami. Was it 1983 or something like that? 85? I don't remember. It was in the 80s. And, uh, you know, they've
1: had a Weren't couple Weren't you good in preschool plays. at that time?
6: <laughs> yeah, eighty three. Yeah, that would be about right. I was four years old.
3: <laughs>
6: but you know, they also got us on with a nineteen ninety two uh victory against uh, Notre Dame where they kicked the last second field goal and knocked us out of the national championship game. So they they've had some highlights in their, I don't know, a hundred year existence. So I'm cool with the NBC's showing them a little bit little bit of love.
2: That's right. Well, let's get into
1: this uh, conversation. Notre Dame does host uh, uh, Boston College. Is this a box that's going to be checked off? Uh, we 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 would we, we would just assume, and, uh, and they say to never assume, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that Notre Dame's not going to get into the playoffs. Certainly, we would think that they're still in line for a New Year's Day bowl. Uh, but this is a box that they got to check off. I mean, it's going to be an embarrassing loss if, uh, if uh, Boston College finds a way to beat you guys today.
6: Yeah, that, that'd be pretty bad. They, they should win this easily and next week pretty easily. I know Stanford has gotten better as the season went on. I think they're ranked now. Uh, but this week and next week are definite wins. They won a New Year's Six. They have, they have no shot at the playoff. Uh, losing by 400 to Michigan kind of put a damper on things there. So, uh, but I'd say there shouldn't be any problems today. Uh, they shouldn't have any problems Stanford next week. Uh, I do think they're in line for New Year's Six. And actually the projection for that, is
2: the uh, Orange Bowl against Florida right now? Well, we absolutely. We'll see what happens. You know, everybody watching today, and that's Penn State and Ohio State. And,
1: you know, I again, I, I we'll talk about IU and Michigan here in just a minute, but I like the way IU played Penn State, but I think Penn State could stay in this game. Ohio State, I think, has got everything in place to win this game, but a big game to get your popcorn out and watch Penn State and Ohio State.
2: I, what's
6: the spread on this? I don't remember. Something like 18 or 19? Something big and crazy? I think so. And, I don't have it up. I thought, last I checked, a, I thought it was yeah. 20. but It might even be 20. Uh, honestly, I, I don't use the spreads for betting. I don't bet at all. I I never really got that far into it. But I do use the spreads for uh, expectation. And they're expected to win by 19 or 20 points. Uh, I think that is probably going to be the score at halftime they're going to be up by at least that. They're going to cover the spread, cover that expectation at halftime. This is uh, not going to be a, a very good day for Penn State. Uh, they went into Minnesota, and I thought Minnesota pushed them around the field. They got out physical by Minnesota. If they can't do, you know, handle Minnesota, what are they going to do against Ohio State's horseshoe? Uh, absolutely nothing. This is uh, going to be an embarrassing day to be a Penn State football fan. It's going to be a bad day. I don't know it's embarrassing day, they, the amount of points – you want to lose by, is going to be embarrassing, but yeah, they're going we'll to cover the spread by halftime.
1: Let's talk a little bit about uh uh IU in Michigan. I mean, at the beginning of the year, we kind of thought IU would be IU, and we kind of thought that Jim Harbaugh in Michigan was a mediocre team. They might still be, Michigan might still be a mediocre team, but I think IU, we talked a little bit about this with Tony Donahue in the last uh, segment, that if IU can find a way to beat Michigan at home, they're opening up the doors for conversation for them to be in a New Year's Day Bowl. That is huge for IU.
6: Well, they have three losses now, right? Three or four, three that they lose last week.
1: We lost last week. In a lost
6: week, Tom. Right, yeah. It was a loss last week. It's probably not going to be a win today. I don't even know if they win today. That puts them in a New Year's Six conversation. Uh, because they also go off straight to, straight to schedule for, uh, you know, these other bowl games, too. The committee kind of decides, the playoff committee kind of decides all this stuff. Don't uh, get invitations, maybe. Uh, maybe the Camping World Bowl. Uh, what would really be cool is that Camping World Bowl is another bowl game Notre Dame's I mentioned in. It could be Notre Dame and IU in that bowl game. Uh, but Notre Dame has two losses. Uh, they're still in line for New Year's Six. Uh, if IU beats Michigan today, IU will be my favorite team this year. Uh, I would absolutely. I, I like him. I like watching them anyway. I, I, I would love them uh, after today. They'd be my favorite team, favorite team in the state of Indiana if they beat Michigan today. But I think the spread in this game is only nine. Something uh, like that,
2: yeah.
6: Well, well it's off know, ex, there's that ex, that ex, expectation for Michigan again. only just uh winning by two scores. If I you can hang around, uh, we'll see what happens. I don't see it happening. I think uh IU's gonna get ran out of the building today. Uh honestly, but you, you never know. I mean it's it's only a a, a two score expectation, you know, for Michigan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There, there might be some weather issues, uh, some snows is expected in the area, some rain, sleet, snow, some kind of nasty stuff is on its way, uh, which should be hitting about the time the game starts. We'll see how much that that plays into the fact. I don't know that it'll play into any fact because, I mean, but we'll, we'll see. But I think that uh, Michigan is more more uh, adapt, if you will, to play in in bad, bad weather Uh, situations well how big of an issue are we looking at here with Tua I mean I mean here's the thing when you're Alabama you're Alabama I mean you 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 insert and plug here I mean even if you don't have two on the field you got someone completely capable Uh, even their backup quarterback is NFL uh, 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 category if you will so and they got Western Carolina so are we even concerned about Tua but, man, he, things could get real dicey with him as a, as far as a player goes in his future.
6: Uh, we'll see because he's definitely not going to play for Alabama ever again. So uh, he's going to hit whatever he'll, go on the draft, wherever he, wherever he can go and make his money and not risk getting even more hurt by coming back to Alabama and playing next year and going through the same injury. Uh, he definitely should just yeah, declare for the draft get paid, and uh, go that route the way Jalen Smith kind of went with Notre Dame. Uh, he, Jalen Smith suffered a big injury. Uh, he would have been the no, number one overall pick, uh, but he went like the first or second pick in the second round, you know, the Cowboys picked him back after that, that bad uh, knee injury. Uh, I, I think, too, I should go that same route. Go to the NFL team, sit, sit the bench for a year or two, then you, when you get your chance like Jalen Smith did, then you make your big money. Yeah, he's not going to play for Fama ever again. And it's crazy. I think he's the best quarterback that they've ever had, and this happened. And it, it, it sucks. Uh, I know we, we're not the biggest Fama fans here on the show, but you hate to see that happen.
1: No, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, we don't want to see anything bad happen to anybody, but I think uh, us uh, Bama non-Bama likers like the fact that he's not on the field. But I'm just wondering if this injury continues, you never know what, how these things are going to uh, play out. But we, as we get closer toward the end of the year and we get closer toward the combine, I'm just wondering where. Sure, I'm sure our team will pick him up. There's no doubt about that. But I'm just wondering how far down from the number one slot that he'll that he'll move at this point.
6: Yeah, I don't even know if he's going to be the number one pick anyway. Uh, I think Chase Young has that locked up. Uh, I don't – if any NFL team doesn't take a number one, whoever gets the first pick, look like the Bengals right now, uh, if they don't take Chase Young number one, they should just not even exist as a football team anymore because that would just be the dumbest pick of all time. I even more dumb than the Chicago Bears moving up and passing over uh, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson so they could take Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, it's, it's, it's more of a dumb move than that if somebody does not take chase young number one for sure
2: talking with rick Regan, our official
1: college football contributor let's break down some of the games on the docket today tonight lsu versus arkansas uh lsu tigers uh, go into Razorback land don't see this being much of an issue but lsu undefeated uh checks off another box against arkansas today
6: yeah, I mean, Arkansas just fired the head coach, so it's a, a, a tune-up game uh, for LSU here. Uh, rest the starters, uh, stay healthy. you got two more games coming up, so, uh, yeah, just don't play. you your starters today, LSU, and you're still going to win about 40 points.
1: That's right. All right, so not a lot to talk about that game. That's what I thought, but let's let's talk about another interesting game that's going to be a, kind of a good game to watch. And let's think about this. If Texas A&M finds a way to beat number four, Georgia, One, the ramifications for Georgia, and two, that's a very real possibility.
6: Yeah, here's the thing. Like, Georgia should win. They should win all the way out. They should play LSU in the uh, SEC championship game. But then you got Banda hanging out there at five, so if Georgia loses in the SEC championship game, does that slide Banda in, or does that bring Oregon, who will actually be uh, playing in there? Conference championship game. You know, it, it, you bring up like interesting stuff. but Georgia loses here, because Bama's right behind them in Oregon, so when you talk playoff scenarios, uh, that's where it gets really fun. Uh, whenever if Georgia takes another loss, so they should win today, but they still got a couple more games. And like I said, you know that other game is the SEC championship game, where I don't see them beating LSU. So then the fun's going to start. What, what do you do, Bama, Oregon, Utah? Uh, the teams, the uh, teams sitting there behind them.
1: You know, you mentioned you mentioned Oregon. Oregon's got a big game on the road against Arizona State tonight as well.
6: Yeah, prime time game. Uh, I like Arizona State. I, I, they're not going to win this game, but they're they're fun to watch, and uh, I mean, they're really good. They got the uh, oh gosh, what's his name? The NFL coach who's their head coach now. Uh, his name just escaped me. I, I have no idea. The, the guy that used to he, coach for the had, Jets. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Jets. I think he coached the coach of Chiefs. Uh, he was on ESPN for a while. I had no idea. It Did was, it,
1: get him confused uh, with, with Tony Dungy real easy. I know I, the face right, is right there yeah. in front. The face is there, but like the name is like, uh, hey, but he didn't even know. He didn't
2: he's even always, know, didn't really even know the –
1: he didn't even know what the mascot was when he when he first got hired, so that was that was great. That's the takeaway Herman, from there.
2: Herman have here we
6: go. Da, 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 da. Uh, no idea why that name escaped me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Utah,
1: the other Arizona.
6: Yeah, uh, if Utah wants to play the Pac-12 championship game, they're going to, have to win out too. It, well, it should be a. Uh, uh, Utah, Oregon uh, showdown for the Pac 12 championship. And in a winner of that, do they uh, take over that number four spot in the playoff? Because I think Georgia's not going to beat LSU. And uh, they should jump over Alabama, right? Because Bama won't play in their conference championship games. No, you have a conference champion getting in over Bama. Do you talk about who's more deserving or who do you think was more likely to win if they got in the playoffs? So. It's a fun conversation for a whole other day because we could spend a half hour just talking playoff scenarios.
1: And we're getting close to that half hour. <laughs> Oklahoma Definitely. versus yeah,
6: TCU. Really... Sir. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it, Oklahoma is just on the fringe of the playoff conversation now. That big comeback win last week against Baylor uh, just kept them hanging around. Uh, they need a lot of help to get back up into the top four after that loss to Kansas State. Uh, but they're hanging out in the conversation just barely, uh, but this is just one of those games you're going to have to win. They're going to win out the rest of the way. And Minnesota! Those, they, they, yeah, they can't just barely beat teams. They're going to to beat them big to yes. stay in the conversation.
1: Where are we at in the conversation with Minnesota? Two weeks ago, we were all about it, but now they just kind of seem to have uh, dried up on the vine, if you will. Minnesota at Northwestern certainly should win this game, but we're just not hearing a lot of buzz about Minnesota anymore.
2: Well, that
6: loss last week last week killed their chances. So, uh, you know, they had a weak non conference schedule, weak schedule leading up to that Penn State win, and then that catapulted them up to the top ten. But then they lost last week, so yeah, they're they're out they're out of the uh, playoff contention anyway. They're still a line for New Year's six probably, but uh, yeah, no no playoff hopes this year for Minnesota
1: that's all gone. Wisconsin visits Purdue. Uh Purdue. I mean we, we we could actually have the conversation that the the surprise between the two teams between IU and Purdue is Purdue this year is that uh Purdue has been a huge disappointment whereas uh uh IU has not been, but Wisconsin goes into West Lafayette
6: should be
1: a relatively easy game for the Badgers.
6: It should, and they're both programs are actually kind of forgotten programs this year uh, because Wisconsin started off the year great. I believe they were in the top four before the playoff rankings even started, but that's also like Wisconsin's football existence, right, to be in the top five and then lose when you have to actually win and then never win anything. Uh, that's that Wisconsin's whole football existence. That's the reason why they exist, to be ranked in the top five and then lose.
2: Yeah, that's 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 it. Got it all figured out there, bro. I think that's correct. <laughs> I think that's right.
1: <laughs> we talked about Michigan and Indiana, but what
2: about Baylor at Texas? Uh,
6: I like Baylor. I, I I I like their head coach, uh, Matt Rule. They should have beat Oklahoma last week. is a, a hell of a comeback in the second half. Oklahoma to come back and win that game close. I mean, they, I think they were robbed out of a victory last week. Really, uh, they're going to be some carryover from that game to this, and I they could – I like Thaylor in this game, but I would not be surprised if they lost to Texas just because of how that game ended last week.
1: Right now, if you were to look at the Big Ten championship, who would be in it?
6: It would be uh, Ohio State, obviously, and probably Minnesota.
1: Any chance at all that IU gets in
6: there? Well, the teams ahead of them, I don't know how the conference, how, how the divisions in the conference line up. But the uh, teams ahead of them, who, who's ahead of IU? I mean, I, don't, I can pull it up, I guess. But IU's got three losses, and Minnesota only has one. So Minnesota also has to lose two other games. And then who has a tiebreaker between Minnesota and IU?
1: Well, the last I checked, IU okay. is at 9 or 8, and Minnesota's at 10. rank 10.
6: Okay. But then you look at
1: now. That's naturally. That's not necessarily what it is in the actual Big Ten.
2: Sorry. Yeah. Iu should be ranked this week. Yeah. Stand by. Yeah. Go ahead and look that up because
6: Minnesota has Iu has two more losses than what Minnesota does. All right. So Minnesota has to lose this week and next week, and Iu's got to win both weeks. And I don't know if Minnesota and IU has played each other this year, because I just don't keep track of, of all that, you know,
2: that closely. But there'd be a tiebreaker. What are the tiebreaker would be between the two? So if you ask me what IU's chances are of playing in the Big Ten, I would say
6: it's point zero 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 one percent chance.
1: <laughs> Point zero, 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 chance. Well, we've been talking with Rick Rickett, our official college football contributor. Rick, let's just shift gears as we get ready to go into the NFL talk. Ed Crack's not going to be able to join us today. His son's in uh, uh, in town, and they're doing the family Thanksgiving thing, so it's going to be Mo for the BS Sports Show. But, you know, we titled the show today, Play the Race Card. And, you know, I was all – okay, we, we had the conversation – last week about all of those things with miles garrett and uh mason rudolph with the steelers and, and 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 the um and the browns and we we talked with ed we got his analysis of it everybody seemed to think it was an it was one of those situations that happened he took ownership for it he got suspended as he should be however waits a complete week before he ever mentions it to anybody gets into the nfl to try to get out of his suspension and says, oh, Mason Rudolph threw a racial slur at me. Now, don't get me wrong. I could understand if that actually happened of somebody getting upset. But, first of all, why wouldn't that be something that you you led with? Why would you wait a week? And then the NFL says, we can't find anything that even alludes to that. And Mason Rudolph doesn't even have a history of anything like that going on. I just... I think this just puts everybody in a bad light, and this this suspension is not going to carry over till next year with with um, um, Miles Garrett. Garrett Miles, but I just think, what the heck? I mean, what are your thoughts on? Let's show, just because we can, let's play the race card. I mean, don't get me wrong, racism is bad and should not be done, but it also should not be used as your get out of jail
2: free card.
6: Well, it sports out as ugliest, right? That whole incident—it's really unbelievable. But uh, you're right—if if that was truly the case, uh, if Mason Rudolph said something like that, then I think Miles Garrett should just let off with that from the get-go. Hey, it, this is what he did. What he said. This is what led me to do this. You don't wait until like later in the week when your suspension—you know, your your appeal doesn't get—you know, you don't win your appeal, and then start saying that, but, you know, you make a case that you should just leave off of that from the get-go. Even if that was the case, I still think he's done for the rest of the year. And uh, I'm also with you, I can see where something like that happens if Mason Rudolph did, you know, use a racial
2: slur, but uh, I don't know how you prove it, because you can't do that video footage, you can't hear anything, so
6: how do you even prove it anyway? I mean it it could have happened. It really could have happened. He he could have said something. But of course you deny it and all that video footage of everything we've seen, you can't hear any audio, so how do you even prove it in the first place? Yeah, and they've got they've got mics everywhere in the NFL.
1: I would just think that in the heat of the moment and if you're saying something like that, you're not gonna whisper it. I, I just yeah. you know, I
2: if I, I the fact that
1: – I guess that's just one of the problems with our society. We just – well, if all else fails – he's not been the only player. We we can point to a lot of players and say, oh, well, here's the race card.
6: Let, let
1: me pass. I don't understand point of why he's trying
6: to, take his, trying to take his helmet off in the first place. But Mason Rudolph trying to take off Miles Garrett's helmet. I mean, he, I mean, he really did that. That's what set off Miles Garrett is – Miles Garrett shouldn't have dropped him to the ground, shouldn't have kept tackling him when the game is over, his last play of the game, and bring him down to the ground the way he did. But I could see Mason Rudolph getting mad, but mm-hmm. Mason Rudolph should have picked a different way to get mad because he actually tried to take Miles Garrett's helmet off first. So that escalated everything. Miles Garrett's already frustrated. Miles Garrett's also 6'5 and like 280. So I don't know why he even tried to, to take that guy's helmet off. You know, because you know what he's going to do next. He's probably going to pummel you. And that's exactly what he did. So it, it, the whole thing is ugly. It's it, ugly from the get-go. So uh, the racial Slur thing, though, is, yeah, that's just one of those uh, Hail Mary attempts to get a suspension reduced.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's where I have a problem with the race car. Not that uh, if Mason Rudolph said it, but even at that, even at that, let's just say that, Mason Rudolph did throw a racial slur. That's that's fine. I get it. I understand, and that would make a person upset. But that still doesn't justify
2: um, ripping the helmet off and taking a swing at it. Yeah, him. a lot of a lot yeah, of this could have happened. Yeah, but that's the
6: Happy Gilmore treatment, right? Happy Gilmore, first guy to ever <laughs> take a stab, stab a guy with it. Well, Miles Garrett removed the piece and try tried to kill a guy with a teeth. He did the exact Happy Gilmore movie, I and mean, I think the only guy in the NFL that ever tried to do it. it's pretty impressive, really.
1: <laughs> I did see I did see the Happy Gilmore. That is a movie you gotta if you've not seen Happy Gilmore, gotta watch it.
6: There's a lot of gotta oh, yeah, watch it's one, movies. Of the one of the All Fibers. One <laughs> of the All definitely.
1: So we're coming up on the holidays. First of all, let's let's establish this. It was the Bruce Willis movie, um, a Christmas movie. Why does that name escape me right now?
6: Uh, oh. Die Hard.
2: Die Hard. yippee my yay mon- <laughs> Yeah. Was that a Christmas movie? Yes. yes. Bruce Willis says it That's is correct. not a Christmas movie. It's definitely a Christmas
6: movie. Actually, I just watched it two weeks ago because it was just on TV. So, I mean, it only comes on during a Christmas season uh, – The movie itself takes place during Christmas, so I I don't know what's not Christmas about it.
1: I don't know. Bruce Willis says it wasn't Christmas, but the the debate continues. Um,
2: Christmas Vacation, the best Christmas movie? My opinion is yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that movie. Also, Christmas Story…
1: Those those are all great holiday uh, holiday classics. You know, Thanksgiving is always a day when movies come out, and people uh, go to the movies, and, and the the box offices see a surge, and it's 2019 Thanksgiving movie release. What should we go see? Because you're more of a movie hound than I am.
6: I'd say what you watch right now. If you're a Star Wars guy, you watch The Mandalorian. Holy cow, that is excellent.
1: You know – I was talking about this the other day. I, I would like to get into the world where I, I – because I've seen Star Wars movies. I've seen the different ones, but not in a, a straight order. I mean – and it's not really in an order because the newest is actually the first – and it's,
2: it kind of goes backwards. Well, and Just start at episode one, and then watch it straight through because – uh, I, yeah, I mean, those are the three, the three prequels, one, two, and three.
6: So j- just watch those in order. So four, five, and six is the original trilogy. but They put three movies out for prequels to that. But just watch them all in order because it all goes in order. It all ties in in order that way now. Uh, watch Rogue One, which is my favorite Star Wars movie. And you can watch Solo. is a good just in-between movie. It's, it's okay. And uh, so watch all that. Watch The Mandalorian, because I think you're probably going to need the movies at some point to understand The Mandalorian. Right now, these first two episodes, I think you just pick up and watch The Mandalorian, and you're fine. But I think things are going to happen in it, and characters are going to show up, that you wouldn't know what the deal is if you didn't know the movie.
2: So, yeah, watch The Mandalorian. If you haven't had a chance, uh, definitely watch it. It, it, It's holy Jesus good it's holy jesus so far. good
6: Holy jesus. It's really <laughs> anything good. like yeah, so far
1: anything like touchdown jesus
6: <laughs> yeah not even not even kind of <laughs> so i noticed i got
1: the um i got the disney prime because i got the apple tv so long story uh a few weeks ago my friend you know he text people and she's like Watching Guardian of the Galaxy, I'm like, oh, I've never seen that. She goes, oh, you got to watch it. So I wasn't doing anything, and I'd had a, a, a few adult beverages, and I'm like, what the heck? Here, I'll, I'll start watching it. Well, I couldn't find it on Netflix or anything, and so I text my friend back, and she goes, oh, you got to download the Disney Prime. So first of all, I got kidnapped into buying the Disney Prime, but now I see all the Star Wars movies this is on Disney Prime. And I've tried three times to watch Garden in the Galaxy. I think it's funny. I think it's good. It's the kind of thing I like. But every single time, I fell asleep and didn't make it all the way through the end. But I do like the
2: raccoon. Yeah, and I, I think you'll do Star Wars the same way. It's just one of those things that it's really good.
6: It's like The Godfather. Like, I'm that way watching The Godfather. I, I've seen The Godfather probably 20 times but I've never once watched The Godfather all the way through because I fall asleep every time at different points of the movie and I wake up at different points of the movie. But if you stitch all that together, then I've probably seen The Godfather in his total about 20 times, but I fall asleep during every time.
1: <laughs> all right, Rick Reagan, our official college football contributor. Uh, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir?
6: Ah, I'm just all over Twitter. That's my that's my uh, masterpiece. You know, it, it talks about UE basketball this year beating uh, beating uh, Kentucky. I think that Cinderella stories wore off because now uh, UE's uh, lost two games since then. So uh, well, yeah,
1: we I, we we knew that wouldn't last. <laughs> uh, we we knew that wouldn't last forever. Well, sir, I look for, I look I look forward to good reports uh, about your smoked turkey. Let me know how that that works out for you. Maybe I'll try it next year. <laughs> All right, we'll be. All right. Rick Reagan, our official college football contributor. My name is Tom Marcos, Presidente, 917 digit. Up on the other side is Mo from the BS Sports Show. We're going to continue our NFL talk, and uh, we'll see what, uh, what, what comes out on the other end uh, of that. My name is Tom Marcos, Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Collins Radio Network. No, this can't be right.
4: i have been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Pass the ball, at the, bar.
3: Bar. the We're open, bum, just ball.
1: Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico.
3: Yeah.
0: Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Oh. Morning, face You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning,
3: Good morning. guys. Good morning. Ah, what is oh, that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God! It talks! Right! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry! Save the children! Save them! Stay back! I've got mates! Ow! That in my eyes! went moving! It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan Mattresses. IKEA, love your home.
0: Here's to the straggly ones
3: the first ones. Hey, I look good with this ones. The black, brown, red, and gray ones. The itchy ones. The ones grown by dad. The ones grown for dad. The I nearly didn't do it this year ones, and the absolutely filthy ones, they all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com <laughs>
2: Back then, I was a little
3: baby, sweet and greasy. Gotta love bread. I know, you know. There's sandwich bread over there oh, next yeah. to the coffee. I eat bread in the bathtub. Okay, that's gross to me. There's a lot
2: I've been feeling lately. Uh-
1: well, it helps if I turn on my mic.
2: Welcome back to the balance. My name is Mark Markleseal, Presidente.
1: Joining us now is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, how in the world are you?
7: Good. I was uh, jellofusman to Rick talking about uh, him smoking his turkey. My turkey's actually trying to quit, so this year we're just having a turkey with a patch on it. So it'll
2: be a different. <laughs>
7: different. The,
1: the 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 uh quit smoking cold turkey commercial.
2: <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that cracks
3: me up. That's funny.
1: Yeah. Uh, how are you going to make your turkey this year, sir? Uh, I'm not. I uh,
7: I have people who do that. I, I, there I don't you cook.
1: go. Hey man, you got to get in the kitchen, man. I'm a world famous chef. That's you know everything I make is pretty much world famous. If you if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, everybody knows that. I'm making a Cajun Creole turkey. It's gonna it's gonna be good. Yummy. Any any Thanksgiving yeah, tradition?
7: I decided just to get married. Uh, you know, just so I could. Asked me to cook Thanksgiving dinner. That's the only reason I really got married. (laughs) Funny, that's the reason I got divorced.
3: (laughs)
1: Nice. Oh, the in laws did not like me. I'm just kidding. Let's let's, uh, get into this conversation. We were having a little bit of this conversation earlier with Rick uh, and this Miles Garrett and the race card. I mean, we titled the show Play the Race Card because here's the thing is racism wrong? Yes. Let's check that box off. Uh, Should uh, he have taken off the helmet and hit my, Mason Rudolph. No, let's well, check that box off. We talked about this on the show last week. Not one time was racism brought up, but now all of a sudden, you want you're you're suspended. You're facing the NFL. Oh well, Mason Rudolph has uh, said something racist, and yet the NFL can find no proof of that whatsoever. And he still would have got suspended for the same amount of time that he got suspended for. It doesn't justify. Anything – well, he made a racist comment, so I, I hit him in the head with a helmet. How absurd and tired are we – now, let's let's separate the question here. We don't want racism. It's not right. What I'm trying to say is let's not use racism as a get-out-of-jail card.
2: Go ahead.
7: No, I agree with you. I, I, I hate when that's used as a get-out-of-jail-free card, but here's my only thing, knowing Miles Garrett. And having been around Miles Garrett, I don't think that – I don't find – I've never found him to be untruthful. If anything, I think at times uh, the Cleveland Brown coaching staff and PR staff has felt that Miles Garrett's a little too truthful with reporters and the media. So it's hard for me to believe that he doesn't believe that that was said now. Because that scrum was going on right there, it might have been said, and it might not have been Miles Garrett. He just interpreted that. You know what I mean? Like there was two or three other Steelers right there. Maybe he thought that it, uh, it that it was because you know a lot of times, uh, you know, African Americans will tend to call each other by that name, and you know, and, and that's not uh, it's not a, a derogatory way. So maybe he heard the word. Uh, and maybe it wasn't from him. Maybe it was from Pouncey. Maybe it was from the other guys. And, uh, and uh, you know, and he took it that way. It's taking Mason Rudolph said it in the heat of battle. Here's the thing. One thing about uh, football players and athletes and general guys with a lot of bravado uh, and a lot of ego, um, they don't like to be disrespected. So we see those fights happen with their own teams in, in training camp. I'm just saying I hate when the race card's brought up if it's used as a get out jail free card. I agree with you 100%. But knowing Miles Garrett – I have a hard time believing that he's lying, and maybe he's a great liar. Maybe I've just been snowballed this entire time, and and he's lied to the media a bunch, and uh, I just bought into everything he said. But uh, he just doesn't seem like that type of dude.
1: Well, and and here's the thing. I I kind of – Miles Garrett, is, let's face it, he's no saint. He's, he's, he's had his issues as far as, not that he's a dirty player, but he certainly is an aggressive player. Nothing wrong with that. You certainly would maybe want that out of your player. And I, I kind of respected the fact in the post game, hey, you know, I take ownership for this. I shouldn't have done it. Okay, okay, uh, take ownership for it and move on. Uh, my, my thinking is, whether it was Mason Rudolph that said it or somebody else that said it, why didn't you lead with that? Why did you wait a whole week? To say anything, well, he only say it to the NFL.
7: He, here's the thing about it, though. So maybe he wasn't trying to put that out there in the media. Look at let's look at it this from this way: Miles Garrett's not trying wasn't trying to play this case or play his case in the media. He brought it up strictly when the investigation was done by the NFL. You know what I mean? And if that's the case, if 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 this was said or he felt it was said, him not trying to play that in the media, I give him kudos for it. I'm not trying to be a Miles Garrett apologist by any means because I cover Cleveland. I've only been covering them for a couple of years now. All I'm saying is the fact that I respect guys not trying to play their case in the media because we have seen a lot of guys in the past, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, you know, try to play their case against the NFL in the media. And Miles Garrett decided not to do that. He brought what the reasons that he thought he did this and the reasons he felt he was justified at the time, even though he knows it was wrong. He brought that only up to the NFL in a private meeting. Now, the fact that it was brought to Mason Rudolph's camp, and, and, you know, and, and Mason Rudolph's camp decided to put that out there. You know, that's a different story. But I applaud Miles Garrett for not playing that in the media because if you're Miles Garrett and you realize this, the uh, you know, how much you just screwed up, you thought you were going to get yourself out of trouble. Wouldn't you have played that card a lot sooner in the media to bring sympathy and, and bring people on your side? Instead, he waited until he was interviewed by the NFL to do that. So maybe we look at it a little bit differently and put that spin on it and say, hey, all right, he tried to bring it up in private to the NFL as opposed to playing this case in the media for the last week and a half. Okay, well, let's
1: say that it happened. Let's just say Mason Rudolph did did – use the race term uh, and uh for whatever reason the nfl couldn't find any proof but but let's just say that if that if that happened the end result would have remained in place you can't have players hitting other players without a helmet i think once the helmet comes off you kind of back off and say okay the fight's over
7: yeah i, I agree 100 now if you look at the letter of the rule in the nfl rulebook you can't take your helmet off to use as a weapon. It never says anything about using the other player's helmet as a weapon. So theoretically, by the rule of the law, in the NFL rulebook, it doesn't say anything that you can't hit another player with their helmet. No, but I agree with you. There's no place for that in the game. But at the end of the day, Tom, though, as you sit back and look at it, are you really surprised? I mean, it's a violent game. We watch these dudes crash into each other for three, three and a half hours, and the fact that it boiled over. I'm shocked. This is the first time it's happened, though. You know what I mean? And it stinks because I think this will this will be attached to him for the rest of his career because he is a great player. He's an aggressive player. But off the field, you know, I've I've covered him doing some of these charity events, doing these children hospital he's a great dude and these kids uh and I think that's where he really feels bad about screwing up is the example he set for all of these kids in Cleveland area that look up to him and I think that's uh that's really what he feels worst about. Um, you know, it was wrong. I think that this season-long suspension is enough. I don't think it should go into next year. I think the sooner that the NFL determines uh, that uh, what the length of suspension will be, everybody will be able to move on somewhat until, that is, until Cleveland plays pitch coming up in what uh, week and a half from now. <laughs> and it's going to be back up again.
2: Hey, uh, you know, you
1: talk about pleading your case in the media. This brings me along the same theme songs, uh, if you will, uh, with the race card and this and that and the other. Uh, the drama with Colin Kirkpatrick never ends, and he had his opportunity. He, You talk about playing your case in the media. He wanted to control the narrative. This had nothing to do with him getting on with an NFL team. What do you think about this? Theater, uh, Drama Queen stuff with Colin Kirkpatrick and his workout session, air quotes. Well, I mean, for Kyle Kaepernick, his career
7: now. Kaepernick! And his legacy. Kaepernick!
2: I always mess that up.
7: His legacy is better for him, I think, as a martyr. Him not getting a job plays to his narrative of uh, the story he's played for the last two and a half, three years. You know, here's the thing if a guy can play still and a team wants to take a chance of signing him, great. You know, uh, welcome back to the NFL, but you've got to be well, I think, to play. The problem is, is that he should have just gone along with the program. You know what I mean? Just done the workout where it was supposed to be and, and just done your own thing instead of making yourself look like a – who would want that on their on their team at that point? You know what I mean? Do you want a guy who's that much problem, that much hassle, uh, you know, on, on your team, a guy who's that divish to be on your team? Now, does he have hard feelings towards the NFL over the past two and a half, three years? I'm sure he does, you know, if if I felt I was blackballed by an organization, I'd probably have strong feelings to them to them still to this day. You know, and then we get uh, his lawyer coming out and saying that there's two teams interested in him. And maybe there are, because let's be honest, a eighty percent Colin Kaepernick is better than some of the play we're seeing with all the backups playing these days, uh, you know, in, in the NFL. The problem is I just think that no team's really gonna take a chance. Uh, on him and I wouldn't bring him in to be a backup because then there's way too much uh, cloud around the team if you bring Colin Kaepernick in he's got to be a starter but I don't know what team that would be for right now you know I just I I I just don't see it the guy's been on football for three years and you know in in those three small years the game still changed a bunch and he was kind of tailing off in his career after uh, you know after when he left the NFL so I I don't see it I'm ready for it to go away again uh, and uh, you know, it's I've, I've had enough of, uh, of Colin Kaepernick news for now. All right, let's move on to the NFL around
1: this week. We had a great game uh, playing the homework card with the Colts. Colts uh, against the Texans. Uh, went into Texas, uh Houston, and couldn't quite get the job done. One might say, well, we, we don't have anything to point to, so we're going to point to uh, the uh, fumble recovery by uh, Darius Leonard that was not re- reviewed. Of course, there was no clear and present ev- evidence that could have been reviewed or should have been reviewed. But that's kind of where we're at. But, man... It just goes to show you that there's two teams in the grind, two teams in the hunt, and uh, the AFC South is still up in the air. And we're and the Colts are still on the hunt. But when you look at that game, you look at a, a Texans uh, uh, getting just stomped by the Ravens one week, and the next week uh, being a three point game against the Indianapolis Colts. It just shows you how tight this AFC South has
7: become. Well, here's here's the biggest difference to me. Uh, In in the two games, Lamar Jackson is willing to make chances and deal with a mistake. I think Jacoby Brissett, uh, you know, he has very few mistakes so far this year, very few interceptions. But I don't think he's willing to take those chances down the field, and I think that that's where the difference is between Baltimore and, and the Colts right now. When you look at how they both played the Texans, Jacoby Brissett I think is unwilling to take chances right now. That could put the team, uh, you know, it could be uh, all or nothing. And sometimes you just have to take those chances. And I don't think that uh, I don't think Jacoby's willing to take those right now. And I think that hurt this Colts offense. You know, there was some he had a couple of shots down the field that he missed, one to Ty Hilton, uh, and one to. Uh, uh Zach Pascal that he just didn't take and and threw underneath, threw a check down. He's throwing way too many check downs right now. The absence of Marlon Mack definitely hurts because uh, although the running game was good for the Colts, there's not that threat where Marlon Mack can break one at any time. And so you had more guys, you know, dropping in, in the coverage. So uh, I'm waiting for Jacoby Brissett to start taking some chances. Will it result in some interceptions? It sure will, but I think the reward is better than the risk. And, and until he does that uh, and plays a little more, more Lamar Jackson, like not necessarily running, but just, you know, will to take some chances down the field? I think the Colts are going to continue to struggle.
1: Well, let's see what happens. I mean, certainly it's going to come down to the wire. Between the Colts and Texas, you you would think it's going to be one of those two teams that that win out in the AFC South and get on into the uh, playoffs. So, your Browns uh, host the Dolphins. Uh, The Dolphins uh, have been able to pull out a couple wins, but they're still the Dolphins. And let's face it, the Browns did beat a mediocre uh, Pittsburgh Steelers last week. But uh, one would think at home the Browns can can manage uh, to play this game relatively solidly. Providing everybody keeps their helmet on. Bom, bom. Well, you would think,
7: but that's the Colts how that worked out for them. Because if you look back, if the Colts do miss the playoffs and miss the wild card by a game, how big was that Miami Dolphins loss then? So, oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, where the,
7: the, the, the Dolphins, you know, aren't a team to really take super seriously. I guess at this point for the Browns, they have to take every game seriously because now they have to basically win out and they can't afford to lose a game. And, uh, you know, they, they have to do it now without their top, uh, probably the, their best player overall in Miles Garrett. So now the offense is really going to be relied on to score points, whereas, you know, They've kind of let the defense keep them in games, and they've been able to run the ball and, and put up some points these last couple of games to win the football game. But you know they're going to have to rely now on the offense putting points up on the board. It's going to have to be you know 2006 Colts like offense where you're going to just have to outscore the teams now I think to win football games. So uh, you know I look for some different things on offense. I think this is a, a big week, a telling week for Freddie Kitchens. Now I don't know that that Jimmy Haslam and, and uh, John Dorsey would shake up the team this bad, but. The Browns dropped one here to the Dolphins. The, that seat uh, under Freddie Kitchens' ass is going to be pretty darn hot, and he may not survive the week.
2: Well, that was going to be
1: my next question. Where Where do we think that we are with, with Freddie Kitchens? So we'll see what happens there. Lions and the Redskins, not a lot to talk about here, but I would think this would be a win that the Lions
7: both need and can get. Well, you look how well they played last week under under Jeff Driscoll. Just, a, you know, a couple problems here and there, but – you know, if you're in the Washington area and you haven't seen an NFL game before, this would be the game to do because it's four bucks. You can get into the game. It's going to cost you more to park than it is to actually see the game. Tickets are uh, available widely. There's thousands of tickets available for four uh, dollars. By game time tomorrow, they should be about two. So uh, if you want to see an NFL game and you haven't seen one before and you're in that area of the country, it's probably be the time to do it. Now, granted, you're going to you're going to see some crappy football, but hey, at least you get to see a game for four bucks. It will cost you more time to get a beer, a beer at the stadium than it will to buy the ticket to get into it.
1: And that's insane. And you're not going to be able to watch it on local television either because uh, it's not sold out and it's blocked out. The,
7: the Raiders at the Jets, sir. This is an interesting game because we saw the Raiders struggle a little bit with Cincinnati. And Sam Donald over the last couple of weeks has played some really good football. Uh, you know, so the Jets' defense has tightened up a little bit. And, you know, the Raiders are right in the hunt uh, in the AFC West. I mean, they're right there. John Gruden has done a great job uh, with his team with a lot of young guys and a lot of, you know, no-name guys on the football team. Derek Carr having a good season. Uh, You know, an important game for Oakland. Not as important, obviously, for the Jets because they're they're not really going uh, anywhere Uh, this season, but you know, the jets who have started to pick it up and, uh, and the Raiders who are fighting, uh, with Kansas city for that, uh, for the AFC West, it's going to be a a good game. It's actually fun to watch Raiders football again, because you never know each week who's going to do it for them because there's a different guy who's having a, a huge week each and every week.
2: Your other team, the bears host the giants. Yeah. It's interesting if you, I don't know if you saw
7: the picture, uh, on Facebook or on Twitter, of uh, Mitch Trubisky somehow uh, is ranked 34th uh, in quarterbacks when there's only 32 teams. So that's how bad that Mitch Trubisky has played this year. He's actually ranked 34th uh, in one category of passing when there's only 32 teams. That so, I means he ranks behind two guys who at least only played a quarter. So, uh, you know, the Bears are, are a disaster. Uh they they pulled Mitch Trubisky out at uh, you know at the end of the game last week when the game's on the line. That should be as telling as it gets right there. Now they came out and said, oh, it was a, a minor injury. BS. It's cover up because uh, they don't have faith in him anymore. They didn't have faith for him to go down and win the game. Chase Daniel through you know was terrible as well. The Bears, uh, you know, it's hard to look back if you're the GM of the Chicago Bears and go, how the hell did we waste a pit to trade up to get this guy and we could have traded down and got Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. That is something that will stick in the Bears fans' crawl forever. Well, one good thing,
1: the Bears can look for their next quarterback uh, down in New Orleans who who take on the Panthers. a needed win for both of them, but uh, you got to like the Saints' chances in this
3: game.
7: You know, yeah, I do a lot. Uh, You know, Drew Brees looked better after rebounding his second game back last week. Uh, You know, and I think the market, honestly, you know, the Bears might not be willing to pay what Teddy Bridgewater is going to come in. I think the market for Teddy Bridgewater is going to be one of the hottest uh, quarterback markets we've seen in a while. And it could honestly wind up being Cam Newton that's the the new quarterback of the Bears. But for me, if I'm out there and I'm, I'm looking not to draft a quarterback this year, you know, the upside with Cam Newton I think is obviously higher than Teddy Bridgewater, but can he stay healthy to me? This year, Teddy Bridgewater proved everything he needed to prove to be a starting quarterback in the NFL again. uh, I I love Teddy Bridgewater. You know, if you're the Saints and you've got, uh, you know, a very aging Drew Brees, I I think the Saints might be in big to keep Teddy Bridgewater around. He might become the highest paid backup in NFL history this year uh, if the Saints figure out a way to corral him and keep him on board. Uh, You know, when you come out and you play that well, it's almost like the Nick Foles syndrome. You think... If Nick Foles would like to be paid like a starter and still be the backup in uh, in Philadelphia where he was comfortable and things worked, you know, it, things worked uh, there for him. So we'll we'll see what happens moving forward. Well, speaking of the Eagles, Ed Kratz, he could not make
1: it today. His son's in town. He's got some family obligations with Thanksgiving, so he uh, he has a bye week with us this week. But the Seahawks are do host the Eagles uh, this this weekend, and this is a really important win for the Eagles.
7: Needed win for the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you got to have a win if you're the Eagles. You've got to get things up and going and moving. And if you're the Eagles, you've got to win, win a big game. So uh, make sure you get it done. If you're the Eagles this week, you know, the, the uh, Seahawks have played very well. Russell Wilson, the MVP candidate. So if you're the uh, if you're the uh, Eagles, you've got to take care of business. And I'm ready for Carson once to have that breakout game this season.
1: So we talked a little bit earlier uh, today with uh, Tony Donahue of the Tony D podcast and the NFL's re- released their top running backs of all time. That list includes Jim Brown, Earl Campbell, Dutch Clark, Eric Dickerson, Liddy Moore, uh, Marion Motley, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Gale Sayers, OJ Simpson. Now let's, we'll go back to that in just a second, but
2: Emmett Smith and Steve Van Buren, what are your thoughts on that list? Mo are you still with us? Well, we've lost mo <laughs> I'm not sure uh hopefully he he
1: will will get back connected with him. We'll do some efforting uh, on that. I wanted to get his thoughts uh
2: on the the running back list see if we can see if we can't get him back on here. Anyway, <laughs> well, that's okay. We're getting close
1: to the end of the of, a, of the show. Anyway, it's about time to wrap it up, put a, a bow on it. We're close to our two minute mark. Anyway, so uh, he must have just dropped off somehow, uh, some way. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe he, uh, maybe uh, he just uh, is also in the Millennial Falcon. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe I should. I'm gonna put a. I'm gonna put a. Should have put a poll up on Twitter this asked if I should uh, binge Star Wars over the weekend or something based on what Rick Riggins said, so take his advice. I don't know. I got a lot of things on my binge list, though. Drinking being one of them. No. <laughs> binge drinking. Nine one seven eighty nine eight five one six is our digits. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. Uh, again, we're uh, we're all over Twitter and Facebook. Go to our Facebook page, search The Balance, and hit follow or hit like. And we uh, Again, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or anywhere you get your podcast, thank you so much. Do us a quick little favor. It helps us keep track of everything. If you go on there and rate uh, our, our podcast and give it the four stars and tell everybody how awesome that I am, because I already know because I'm on loan from God, but just just so that the rest of the world knows what a cool show this is, and, and uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Still trying to effort to get Mo back on. I don't see that that's going to happen. So, we are running out of time. Time to wrap it up and put a bowl on it. We do this thing called The Balance every single Saturday morning between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. So, uh, give us a listen. Give us an ear. I hope you have a good Thanksgiving. Hope everybody's time with their families are all together. And uh, You know, sometimes when families get together, it's like, You know, we all we all have that—that's uh, for sure. But hopefully, you all have a a, a good Thanksgiving. My name is Tom Marcos del Presidente. Don't drink and drive. But it ain't cool. I'm out of here, deuces.